0: Welcome to My Therapist is Out, an open space therapy collective podcast. We are your hub for queer and trans mental health care. Each episode, we will speak with one of our therapists or collective members and chat about a mental health topic using a queer lens. And I am your host, Renee Johnson, licensed professional clinical counselor, art therapist, and founder of Open Space Therapy Collective. This week, we have OSTC therapist Kristen Crow and Debbie White joining us for our very first listener Q&A episode. If you'd like to join the conversation, please DM us on any of our social medias or email us at info at openspacetherapycollective.com. As we dive into today's topic, please keep in mind that this is a mental health podcast and we will talk about sensitive issues. If you would like to be informed of any trigger warnings, please read the podcast description. Okay, we're gonna start recording. Um, So I've just picked out a couple questions. There's two in here that I I have answers to, but otherwise, um, just respond as desired. And we're gonna have
1: 20 minutes or so. Okay. we looking to riff off one another too? Yeah, riff away. All right, fantastic. Okay. All right, y'all ready? No. Okay, too bad. Yeah, I wasn't expecting anything different than that. <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: Welcome to My Therapist is Out, and Open Space Therapy Collective podcast. This is episode 12 for us, so we thought we'd do a little something different, and we have both uh, Kristen and Debbie with us today, and we are going to do Q&A, so we've gotten some questions in, and we figured we'd take the opportunity to answer them. Hey, guys. Hi. Hi. Um, so I'm just going to start firing away and answer as with whatever comes and we'll, we'll go from there. Um, first one we've got today is um, a DM from Amanda who asks, how do you decide what to bring to a therapist when you finally decide to meet a new therapist for the first time?
2: Say that again. <laughs>
0: so when you, how do you decide what to bring to a therapist when you just finally decide to meet with a new therapist? Like if you're hemming and Han about going to therapy and blah, I don't know, and maybe, and then you finally decide to go, what do you talk to them about? Or how do you decide what to talk about?
2: I guess, I don't know. I, I Personally, I would... Talk about what I talked about my last therapist and what I was working on. Um, You can do that or you can go with the therapist lead, have the therapist ask you questions. Um, You can just blankly say, I don't know where to start. That's a good place to start. Yeah, good point. Yeah,
1: I feel like once you get in the room whatever you're bringing in will decide for you a lot of the time. <laughs> um, it, it's true, right? Like there's a reason mm-hmm. that you finally decided to start this. And so whatever is pressing will find its way to the surface. Um, and mm-hmm. if that takes a little bit to like establish trust, then you might talk about something different for a little bit, but, you yeah. know, as you build confidence in that, it'll it'll work its way to the surface.
0: Yep, I agree. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Those are great.
0: Yeah, I think that the trust piece is really important too. Like you're sitting with a perfect stranger. So it's not, you know, take some time and say I don't know and see what comes up. And it's not it's not the time to talk about the big deep, dark, scary things in right. the first 20 minutes. And, and sometimes, even if, if,
1: go ahead, Kristen. I was going to say, sometimes the deep, dark, scary things are like, I need something right now. <laughs> okay. And I'm like, let's help contain that a little bit so you don't have to be sitting with it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally.
2: And I was going to add that sometimes you can have that connection on the phone console, right? And then you get there and all of a sudden you're like, uh, you know, second guessing yourself. So, yeah, giving yourself time and let whatever comes, in comes with you. Nice. Okay.
0: Um question number two is from Justice on TikTok. Um fellow non-binary here and new to the community. I didn't know that you could be non-binary and gender fluid. We had um another TikTok person respond with a great response, but I figured I'd Want you guys to riff off of this too. Um, Bristly Bear responded non binary is an umbrella term that covers a ton of different gender identities that aren't in the binary system, including gender fluid. Thoughts?
1: Anything to add? Okay. I was like, I I'm having a really hard time reading body language over Zoom. <laughs> it's a really struggle for me. Um, i know i know both of you so well uh yeah i feel like it's and and none of this is ever static right like i feel like there is so much exploration that can be done and there I, i feel like i discover new terms all the time that you know i'm like oh actually that feels like a better fit compared to what i was using before right And so being open to discovering where you are and what that feels like for you and your existence
2: is what's important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And to piggyback on that, I actually feel like every day is a new day, right? So it depends on how you feel day to day. It can be month to month. You're exploring who you are and you're going to learn something new about yourself. So why limit yourself? Like, I'm all about, yeah, if you want to, if a label feels good to you, then great. If it doesn't, then go by no labels and just explore who you are at that moment and, and be okay with it. Yeah,
0: absolutely. There's no, we are ever changing and involving. Mm-hmm. Um, what fits now is not going to fit when we're like 90, let alone in a year. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, and under like the non-binary umbrella, there's a there's a ton of different um for lack of better words, labels that people have used, gender queer, gender non-conforming, um, mm-hmm. gender fluid, obviously, that are all kind of in there and finding the one that fits best for you in whatever time you're in. Yeah, the non binary is just kind of a keep me out of keep me out of the edges.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Cool. Okay, we have this one's a tough one. Um, mm-hmm. We have a DM from Sherry who asks, "How can therapy help with ruminating thoughts so I can move from an angry move on from an angry or painful past situation?"
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I heard this analogy. Like I'm listening to a book, um, and I heard this analogy about like a garden. And how like those ruminating and angry thoughts kind of are like, are the, the weeds in the garden. And so having a therapist to kind of help you tend to the things that you want to grow and kind of pull the weeds as they come up or as they start to like overrun the garden um, might be just a really nice way to find some support so you don't get Oh, that was a terrible thing, Brain. So you don't get lost in the weeds uh-huh. is literally what I was just going to say. Okay, <laughs> analogies are great sometimes, and sometimes they just come out wrong. I don't know
2: what to tell you, <laughs> but, that's, but I'm sticking to it. <laughs> and yeah, but that was a, terrible. That was a good one because I can completely visualize what you were sharing. So I think it's good. And what's wrong with having a little humor with analogies? <laughs> I'm going to say that therapist, especially, especially one that is trained in EMDR, um, can help you channel those negative thoughts and reframe them, or explore where they're coming from without getting too deep into the trauma of it. The add on positive thoughts so that when you can get better at managing when those negative thoughts come up you can remember oh this is what the positive aspect of it. Um and then there's also yeah. modality therapy right there's dance movement and there's uh art therapy and you know drama therapy there's all these modalities that can help in different ways just have to find the one that fits and works with you. Yeah and it's
0: I think there's a space where like talking to your friends about it is different than talking to your therapist about it because your friends are going to like let you vent um, Mm -hmm. and sometimes venting like helps the rumination continue
1: where Mm -hmm. your
0: therapist is going to push you to process past it um, and kind of process it out instead of Mm -hmm. letting you just kind of keep spinning those wheels.
2: Yeah, or escalate into a whole nother way of approaching it and it manifesting an inward and then all of a sudden you got these aches and pains you don't know about and you're thinking that you're gonna die. So yeah. <laughs> Especially when those yeah. thoughts, you know, did, what is it uh catastrophize cat, 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 the word, but catastrophizing. <laughs> there it it to that end, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Awesome. You guys are so good at this. How um, you? <laughs> um, so, another one from TikTok is from bruh at me next time, which is a great handle.
1: I love <laughs> that handle. <laughs> um, cool. they,
0: they ask Have you guys or do you guys plan on doing an episode on asexuality? Uh, I will love this. It's caused a lot of pain and happiness in life, and there's so not much content out for it, out there for it. Um, and I think that's great. I actually asked Jenny, who's an associate therapist, who's going to come on with us this summer um, if they will cover this one with us on a podcast, and they are absolutely down to do that. Um, and yeah, there's not a lot on asexuality out there, and I think it's really kind of new to the conversation. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I kind of feel like, um, you know, the, the ones, the, what's the analogy of like those who speak loudest is seen, and often those who don't, you, you forget. But there's room to address every aspect. And I'm really excited that Jenny's going to come on because I'd like to learn from her, uh, them too. And uh, yeah, so. There's definitely room for growth. Absolutely.
0: Um, Okay. We have a DM from Dion who asks, to address an issue in the family, can you work with one family member or do you need to meet with the whole family to resolve the issue? If you only meet with one family member, does the whole family get access to the client's information?
1: that's a good one. <laughs> I was like, that's, feels like a multi, the multi question. Sure. Uh, yeah. If you're an adult, then no, the family doesn't get the information, the access to your information. I feel like that's the first piece that you can knock out of that. Um, mm-hmm. If you're a minor and haven't consented for therapy yeah. and they consent for you, then that is something that is a possibility. Am I wrong? Um,
0: um,
2: yeah, Debbie, you're the, you're the team
0: pro here. I don't from, know my
1: un-
2: from my understanding, um, unless the minor is presenting that they want to harm themselves or harm others, uh, that's the only time we can break confidentiality as far as what a minor is sharing with their therapist, uh, parents is not privy to like details um and usually in family therapy the minor is dealing with their therapist and the fam. hopefully the parents are doing their therapy and then you kind to bring them together and you work on a compromise to remedy the ruptures in the family but yes cannot cannot breach confidentiality of the minor unless they're showing harm to self or harm to others or um, there's abuse then we have to let them know. So to answer the question as an adult, I agree with, you know, Kristen, it's like you don't have to disclose anything. If you want to work on a conflict with one family member, it's possible to just work because your relationship with that one person is going to be different from your relationship with other family members. So if you really only care about working with that one family member, then focus there. And it's your choice if you want to continue to work on the entire family or you just want to work with that person. I mean, I am a firm believer, uh, even as a therapist, that uh, just because your family doesn't necessarily mean that they have to be in your life. And if you have to come to a point where you go to therapy to uh, help work out not being around your family when it's toxic, then that's another way that therapy can help.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. The, you know, we've, I think with a, it's been, how do I say that? It's cool with a lot of the clients that I've worked with who've come in with difficult family relationships and their family's not interested in going to therapy or even acknowledging that there's something going on. But Mm -hmm. when the client is able to do their own self-work, there's a ripple effect on the family. And so sometimes it's just the client is able to engage differently with the family so they're not feeling as much of the toxic effects. But mm-hmm. often it also helps the family learn different ways to engage with each other. So it doesn't always have to be the whole unit that goes in.
2: Yeah, I mean, the cliche of if you wanna see change, you have to change within yourself, right? It's true. If you are working on you, and it's gonna, you're gonna change how you live your life. And it's going to be a ripple, ripple effect because people have to address you differently. You're not the same person, and you're going to be setting boundaries. That the boundaries are not just for others; it's for you as well. It's for self protection as well. So,
1: totally. I don't think I have anything to add to that. I feel like that feels pretty. <laughs> <laughs> that, that feels pretty <laughs> spot on. Like it, it yeah. And <laughs> I. I OK, I guess I did think of something. Um, one of my clients told me, like, you go to therapy for the people in your life who don't go to therapy. Um, mm-hmm. And so, like you both said, like, engaging with the people around you differently can help
2: mm-hmm.
1: heal ruptures or have them be less destructive to you. Totally. Yeah, I think yeah. I saw that on a bag
0: recently. Like, I go to therapy because you don't. Oh. made me laugh pretty
2: hard. <laughs> I'm pretty cool. That would be a nice shirt. Yes. <laughs>
0: um,
2: okay, this
0: this one I looked up some facts for because I think it's an um, important one, but I want your guys' input in it too. Um, so Luke DM'd us and asked, is it, common, is it a common occurrence that young people who think they are trans later on Uh, discover ultimately that they're not trans, but queer. Um, And so I think there's a couple things in here is with all like the anti-trans bills, um, this is kind of one of those big questions. And um, there's only 1% of the population in the US, this is just US facts um, that identifies as trans. Um, including non-binary, so that's a tiny, tiny percent of the population, and less than 3% of that 1% ever decide to detransition, and so we're talking like 100 people, maybe. It's also different than like, I think there's also some confusion about like stopping hormones because medically it's not working with your body is different than detransitioning, a lot of people who are trans will stop different medical interventions at different points but still remain trans mm-hmm. um but the detransitioning is is going back to the identity assigned at birth um, and most often a lot of the transition stuff um, can be really reversible and so it's not not a huge, big deal and those surgeries aren't happening on on underage kids anyway. So, mm-hmm.
2: thoughts? Yeah, I just remember hearing, maybe it was that uh, video that we were watching, but he was saying it was a very small percentage and it's not accurately checked because it's it's not like they got a hold of everyone <laughs> that detransited. <laughs> So it's um it is really, really a small percentage. I, I generally wouldn't want my clients to to put themselves up against what studies say, but more in tune to how they feel. Like, you know, stay on the path of exploring self and finding their authentic voice and you know, being open that the labels will change as opposed to, well, what if I go with this and then I don't want to go with it? Then they have remorse and guilt and then you add on other emotions that uh, can just escalate into a snowball into other things. So, yeah, I, I would like to read more about that. I think that's something I would... Want to pay attention to, but I wouldn't hold my practice to what the studies say one hundred percent.
1: I feel like I need the question repeated again because I took in too much information.
2: <laughs> you got it. Okay,
1: That's the line. You <laughs> can
2: see on your face that I like call more of the question, but I was just, you know. It's- I think I stayed on track. You <laughs> did. You did.
0: Okay. okay. All right. Here we go. <laughs> Luke. Luke asks: Is it a common occurrence that young people who think they are trans later on discover ultimately they are not trans but queer?
1: Okay. Is it a common occurrence? So those are the words that I was missing. Um. I feel like that. Then, if we're looking at the studies, then the short answer would be no. It's not a common occurrence. Um. And that's also why you look for support and community to kind of help you lean into what feels good or what feels different or scary about these things. And I think Renee hit the nail on the head with the anti-trans legislation being a factor Mm -hmm. on this foggy is gonna join us shortly. And that creating a lot of external factors that were loud but not deafening before Mm -hmm. in the way that they are now. Yeah. So I think there's definitely added layers to this. Totally. Uh, Um,
0: So our last question, which ties into what Luke asks, um, is from Jacob on YouTube. Um, In... Your opinion, do you think you should treat someone for trauma and depression before they transition? And I'm guessing that Jacob's talking about medical transition um, because being trans is just a way of, of being in the world um, and an identity. So I'm I think this question is about medical transition.
2: Yeah, thanks for clarifying that.
1: Mm. I'm wondering, uh, I mean, that feels like there could be a lot of different ways to answer that. Um, mm-hmm. But knowing that there are different definitions of medical transition too, like if there are surgeries versus hormones, or, you know, like... Mm-hmm. Um, Those, as we've stated, like hormones can be stopped. Right? Um, And that can be halted. And are the symptoms of depression being exacerbated by not feeling at home in your body? Um, And is your trauma tied to not feeling at home in your body? Um, And so I wouldn't want to say like you have to have your depression and trauma resolved before we can do all of that thing. Cause that sounds impossible. Um, But it's impossible. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, again, being too polite, I guess this is my (laughs) habit for this week. Um, But like just noticing how these things shift, um, noticing how these things shift, like what kind of impact is the treatment having on your depression? and your experience of your trauma. And like, maybe how do hormones change your perception of these things too, right? Um, Like, I feel like it's all an intertwined experience. Um, Yeah, and I don't think that having depression and trauma would magically make you not trans, so. Like I, th- I think that it's okay to concurrently do the things. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think the, I
0: mean, obviously the three of us are very biased here, as we think you should be having your trauma and your <laughs> your depression treated. Um, but that's it's not like you're saying it's not this multi-step process. It's all one big thing and those things can be negatively affected if you're trans and if you're in a place where you are ready to start medically transitioning, um, they can absolutely be affecting each other.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have nothing to add to it, but ditto to both what you said.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Well, thanks so much, guys. This was great. I think um, we're getting more and more questions, which is awesome. So for those of you out there, if you have any questions, please comment, DM us, email us, um, and maybe every 12 episodes, we'll, we'll do a Q&A session together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Thanks so much, y'all. I'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Nice. Bye. Thanks for joining us. We'd love to hear your thoughts on today's topic. Leave a comment below or email us at communications at Open Space Therapy Collective. You can follow us on all of the social medias. And if you're in California looking for a therapist, visit our website at openspacetherapycollective.com and book a free intro call with one of our therapists to see if we are the right fit for you. My Therapist Is Out is an Open Space Therapy Collective podcast. Our therapists are Kristen Crow, Debbie White, and Renee Johnson. Clinical Consultant, Jenny Nigro. Communications Coordinator, Riley Andreessen. Marketing Consultant, M. ESA Messaging. Administrative Assistant, Mirza Ruiz. And our podcast editing is done by Smash
1: and Grab Studio.